It's Taste of Country Nights with Evan Paul On Demand, Season 2, Episode 8 with Chris Jansen. I know your wife is a big part of your music. How many times do you bring her a song and she's like, eh? You know, every artist or whatever or songwriter thinks that the last thing they did is the best thing that the world ever heard. And if they're, they're totally lying if, that, if they tell you different. But, uh, but I, yeah, I've brought a million things up. She's like, okay, cool. Yeah, really nice. But, uh, but all I needed is you really stood out different. Let me tell you, interviewing Chris Jansen is so much fun. Me and him always hit it off and have great conversations. We even have a surprise at the end of this, uh, a surprise joke off that he had no idea was coming. And let's just say he didn't do that well. Thank you so much in advance for listening through this podcast here. It's part of the Town Square Media Podcast Network. Taste of Country Nights in here. My boy, Chris Jansen, what's happening? Hey, buddy. Good to be with you. Thank you. Yeah, man. Good to see you. It's always, I always know when you're in the building, the energy just rises. Everybody just gets excited and there's a <laughs> lot of just happiness. I knew you were coming down the hall. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. I yeah. just, hey, I wake up in the morning happy to be here. So. There you go, baby. Thank Tell you. me about this new song, man. Woo! All I Need Is You. Uh, new single. First one debuting off my... Uh, New record label, which is awesome. And um, man, couldn't be more excited about it. Straight up love song. Of course, about Kelly, from a personal note. Um, <clears throat> wrote this on the back porch of the beach house at 30A, which there's a line in the song that says, want to take a trip in a Chevrolet to the beach house down on 30A? Get the Gulf of Mexico in my backyard. That's a true, that's a real place. And that's where I wrote it. And uh, man, it's, uh, it's, you know, when, when no matter what goes on during the day or during the week or during the year or whatever in life, if it's, if it's clouding up things, uh, the, you know, the premise of the song is all I need is you no matter what. And that is true. Stands very true with me and her. So, uh, it's a love song that, that meant a lot to me when I wrote it meant even more. I think after I heard it, cause I thought the finished product was like, I was blown away by it, you know, and I'm my own worst critic. So, um, and then we, we went and cut it for the album that'll be upcoming this summer. And man, it was, he just raised his hand. What was Kelly's first reaction? <clears throat> she loved it. She loved it. I can I can <laughs> totally clearly say she loved it. And I loved it too. I mean, certain songs you write that come across, you know, and, and it's it's different. Like I sort of had the I had the feeling for sure when we wrote it and just on the guitar, just the work tape, but once we got the demo in, I was like, man, it it really blew me away. And not all songs do that. So it was, uh, that's how you know you got something special. When you bring her a song, though, are you ever like, do you still get like, ah, absolutely. Like <laughs> yeah. hey, does she ever like, eh? Yeah, totally. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there, you know, and I'm glad she's, I'm glad she's a good judge of, you know, it's like, who else are you going to ask? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like she's the first set of ears to get to hear my stuff, no matter what it is. So, I mean, if it weren't for her, Buy Me a Boat would have never happened. She's the, I mean, I, I wasn't even going to play her Buy Me a Boat. And she was like, wow, that's a smash. Same thing with uh, Truck Yeah for Tim McGraw. I played her like 10 demos back back then. And um, I wasn't even going to play her the demo for Truck Yeah because it was a work tape that we did on our iPhones. And she didn't like any of them except that one. So, so she has a great ear. So, so there, somewhere there's like a cutting room floor of songs that you came up out of the basement or whatever, and you were like, yeah. this is it. Yeah, and, and basically it, like, it is the basement because I do write in I write in the downstairs. I got what I call a man room downstairs. It's like a trophy room full of deer heads and stuff and it's like a cigar room. And I, we've, I mean, I recorded the last couple albums in there. Uh, we write a lot of songs in there. But, yeah, I mean, I've... <laughs> 
you know, every artist or whatever or songwriter thinks that the last thing they did is the best thing that the world ever heard. <laughs> and if they're they're totally lying if that if they tell you different. But uh but I, yeah, I've brought a million things up. She's like, "Okay, cool. Yeah, really nice." But uh but all I knew is you really stood out different. Was it hard to determine the first single on the new label? No, not even not even a question, honestly. Um it, because, you know, in t- internally and just sort of in a little small circle group, I guess is what you would say. Uh we were kind of listening through things and it was just it was just raising its hand theoretically. I mean, it was like, Hey, I'm the first single for sure. And everybody kept going back to that song, which I'm really glad they did. Cause I love the song. Yeah, I really, I really do. I mean, I, I gotta tell you, I would have been cool with any song on the album. Cause I, I totally like the, I, I truly love the whole package, but that one in particular, I'm like, ah, good. Yes. Everything uh, in your life right now, music wise, is new. Like you're on the new label, new yeah. agency, or whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Have you had this much new in your life at one time? And is part of you scared, or are you all no. in? Yeah, I'm. I'm totally all in with it. Um, I mean, I've had new like that before. I guess with kids and you know with marriage and things. That would be about the only thing. I mean, as far or you know, really personally, but musically. No, man, I'm excited. Like I'm, I'm just really grateful for the, for the opportunities. It's great. Um, you know, I, I left one label and went to another one and, and, uh, it's just such a, it's such a great home. And I also, you know, they were big machine was cool enough to give me, uh, an imprint. So I have my own imprint Harpa 60 records and that's how I got Shane profit signed over oh, there. So okay. like he's one of theirs and my artist, if you will. And so doing that and then, you know, um, <clears throat> the agent thing you mentioned, I'm back with my original booking agent who had me before Buy Me a Boat, had me before any hits ever. And so it's a really special time for us. You know, it's a great reconnection there. And, uh, man, it's, you know, life is all about having people in your corner that that um, want to be there for the long haul and that you want to be with for the long haul, I think, more most importantly. Uh, you know, because everybody wants to be around it when it's successful. Right. Right, no matter what. Right, right. And even if they don't, they, you know, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. I've always, the one good thing I can say throughout my whole journey is I've always had, I can say 99.9% positivity, man. It's been really good. You just, life changes and you got to make certain changes sometimes and that's all right. Especially with business, business is ever changing. Uh, But I'm not scared at all. I actually, I couldn't have been more excited to make making these changes and also now just reaping the benefits and the rewards of, you know, walking out on a plank, basically, you know, in certain, you know aspects of, yeah. of the business and the nature you know most people wouldn't walk out uh, of one thing you know having a substantial career and just go into a new whole new venture it's been amazing it's been a lot of fun and uh i love this new music i'm telling you I, i've had the most fun getting I, you know getting into the studio we cut we cut we cut this whole album in two days i mean it was really fast really crazy um, I played with new players this time, which I've never played with before. A lot of guys from LA. Um, I, I co-produced and cut the record with uh, a rock producer, Julian Raymond, who's one of my oldest friends and, uh, an amazing country producer too. But you know, like everything, even as far as the first two points that you mentioned there have been just new and fresh, which is exciting for a guy That's like cool. me. Yeah. Hell yeah. So it's, it's been a lot of fun and, uh, and the music is what I would consider really great. So kicking off with all I need is you and people are really pumped about it. I mean, they really are pumped about it. So, uh, I, I, you know, the tour dates are great. They've been selling out everywhere and the fans have been unbelievable and, uh, just kind of getting the new year going. So it's been, 
really good. What's on the yeah docket for the rest of the year, tour wise, and then when's that album coming out? Yeah, the album will be out straight up right in the heat thick of May, right in the middle of tour season, which is great. I think I'm gonna say May. I'm I'm guessing May. Um, I guess that's like the hottest month of the year in, in my opinion. But anyway, <laughs> well, I know we're right in the thick of it right then. But but the point is, is that man, we tour all the freaking time. Anyway, uh-huh. we just ever you know it's ever evolving. The shows have grown and grown and grown and grown exponentially, and I'm probably going to work more this year than I've worked in the last three years. I don't care. I always tell people, <clears throat> it's interesting, you start climbing the ladder in, in the touring world, and they're like, well, maybe you could you know, work less for more and, and strategic. Man, take strategy and throw it out the window. Let's go, if fans want to hear you play, let's go play for the fans. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So uh, we're playing for millions of fans, and I'm really grateful for that. And I'm, hell, I'm having the best time of my life. Uh, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun. Hell yeah. Um, you're an outdoorsman. Yeah. Um, if if I dropped you off somewhere in the middle of nowhere, what's the longest you could stay alive? <laughs> as long as I need to. Really? Yeah. I can say that pretty wholeheartedly. With nothing. With like nothing. like like in your undies. <laughs> naked. Naked. Naked, honestly. No problem. I could do it. I could do it. Buck naked, no problem. What's I'm the, serious. What's the weirdest animal you or thing you've eaten? The weirdest thing I've eaten? Yeah. Uh worm. Like an earthworm or like Yeah, like a uh grub. Oh, like a lawn grub type thing? Yeah, like I'm not like eating grub worms on the rig, but I'm, you know. <laughs> You'll take a, like. A <laughs> I mean, that would be the first thing I'd be looking for. I'd be looking for something with some major high protein. But I think if I, if I mean, not that you're asking, but I'm going to tell you. If if I were dropped off in the building, if I had to, if I had to get going on my survival game yeah. quick. I mean, the first thing I'm doing is making a fire. Okay. Making a shelter and making a weapon. Okay. Those okay. The first three things I'm doing. Yeah. I can do anything. I can do anything with a spear or a knife or whatever. And or a rock, I can do pretty. I can I can do it. Is the bottom line. I would love it. Yeah. I can do it. I mean, <laughs> dude, like my 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 kid and I, we've been practicing with like blow dart guns and stuff, and like all kinds of weird stuff, man. Like, you know. So I don't know. I'm I never been in that. I've never been in that circumstance. Yeah. Been close a few times. Been close a few times in life. No matter who you are, if you don't reach for the biggest unachievable things, you're never going to achieve them. If you don't bet on yourself, nobody's going to bet on you. So. Hell, I bet on myself every time. That's why I love you, May. Thanks, brother. I, have you written any other songs for any other artists lately? That I'm excited about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I have. Over the last year, I had uh, Build a Fire for Cody Johnson, um, which is one of his biggest live songs out there. I've been seeing a lot of videos of it, which is great. Love Cody. And and uh, I've been loving Cody for years, man, even before he was, you know, popular on, like, with Till You Can't. But um yeah, so Build a Fire, he recorded. I'm, I'm, I think I'm probably the most excited about that one as far as an outside cut. I just love the song, and he did a great job on it, so I appreciate that. All right, and then uh, real quick, Chris, uh, Billy Dukes here has set up uh, a joke-off. So basically, like, the first person that laughs loses. I can go first if you want. Okay, and then what do I do? You do the same. Got it. Yep. All right. Who wants to start? I'm going to be a gentleman. You can go first. All right. You ready? What do you call a boomerang that doesn't come back? A stick. I don't even understand this joke. (laughs) Oh, shit, I laughed. Okay, that's not part of the joke. What's the dumbest animal in the jungle? A polar bear. Why do you never see elephants hiding in trees? Because they're so good at it. 
This is a good one. You don't laugh at this when you're not breathing. What's the worst part of being an egg? You only get... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. You only get laid once. That's really funny. Sorry. I laughed at my own joke. I probably would have laughed. I laughed at my own joke. I probably would have laughed at that. I I couldn't. I can't. I can't seriously sit here and look straight face at a dude and say that. That was a good one. Sorry. Well, dude, thank you for coming by. We're excited for this time in your career, brother. (laughs) Thanks, man. I'm excited, too. Yeah, new single, All I Need to Chew, is is rocking. So uh, you guys come see us on the road out there. All right. Now we'll bring in the creator of the Make Them Laugh joke game that we just played with Chris Jansen, Billy Dukes from TasteOfCountry.com. When someone switches record labels, do you always assume that there was like a big fallout yeah. or fight or something yeah, definitely because i equated to like a divorce and no one's like nah you know everything was going great we just you know we just decided yeah hey, we're just gonna get a divorce you know hey. right well you know I, I i kind of do as well but i don't know if that's fair with chris jansen like i go back to like when tim mcgraw left curb like that was the like the nastiest artist record label split up you'll ever find like he went to big machine and then Tim was releasing a single on big machine, but apparently curb had some of their own songs. So they were trying to release Tim McGraw's single. And it was just like, no one knew what to, and then there was like a, a, a letter to the media. I mean, it was, it was nasty. It was ugly. Um, I think though, probably in most cases, like, you know, the, the contract is over with this team offers you this deal for your next contract. And this other team over here, they have a little bit of a better deal. You know, they offer maybe a little bit more money on the front end, what they call a, a signing bonus or an advance. Um, and then you just kind of go, I'm going to go over here and try these guys over here because, you know, <laughs> they're, they're making things sing a little bit more than these old guys. I, I, I don't know. You think that's accurate, what happens? Yeah, definitely. And I, I, I get the feeling with Chris that um, he – is getting more freedom. I don't know. It could be he's just speaking more about it now. But, you know, with his own imprint, with his label here at Big Machine, and then uh, he has a, um, you know, a, a secret collaboration or whatever coming up. Uh, mm-hmm. And th- there's things that I feel like maybe he wasn't getting done, you know, and he, and he got his first few number ones on his old label. And I feel like maybe he just hit a point where he wanted some more creative control, which it seems like on our last few podcasts we've had, you know, there's a lot of artists that are gaining more control of their uh, sound or whatnot. It sounds like uh, the later they get in their career True. and maybe with different labels than the ones they started with, which makes sense to me because if you start somewhere as an intern, even if you're the vice president one day, if someone was there when you were an intern, to them, subconsciously, you're always just going to be an intern. I think with Chris, too, he's such a different artist than when he signed. Like when he signed with Warner, uh, he was hungry for some yeah. success. Like. He had that deal with Sony that fell through, and then he had another smaller deal that that fell through, and he wasn't really doing too much. And then he's got Buy Me a Boat, which is this big sort of almost viral hit to the extent that you could have a viral hit back then. You know, he he probably would have signed for 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 like the equivalent of like a meatball sandwich back then. <laughs> but now, now yeah. he's got these hits. You know, he's he's making he's his own artist. Of course, he's gonna want a, a little bit more. And I think his wife is smart enough to know his value, like Chris is too. But you know, his wife, who's his manager, she certainly knows what a hit and what a hit maker is worth. So they're 
they're not going to th- throw away the the effort. Yeah, and I sure. tell you what, his his wife is not just like a a wife manager. Like she is the real deal. Like let me tell mm-hmm. you, like behind the scenes, like you know, she comes in before Chris, and she's like just making mm-hmm. sure you guys have the right paperwork and you know what to talk yep. about. And and then even down yeah. to when we were leaving, the picture that I took with Chris. She was like uh, fixing his hair, and then she was like, yeah. <laughs> uh, "Let me do it wide shot. You look better in a wide shot, baby." You know, like I'm just like, "That's cool, man." <laughs> How honest is your wife with you about like ideas you have or like jokes? Will she kind of just no, go along with it, or she... yeah, no, real honest, yeah, no, real really? honest, definitely. <laughs> uh, I, I I felt that when Chris was talking about. How every songwriter thinks that their last right was the greatest, and his wife will tell him, eh, because there's a lot of things, and at least since I've known my wife, that uh, in my radio career, where I'm like, hey, I think it'd be a good idea to for Halloween try to live in a casket. Eh, I don't think that's your best idea, you know. My my wife's not like that at all. She, she'll let me go with it. She's like, oh, okay. And then afterwards, she'll be like, oh, hey, you know, that worked out a lot better than I thought it would. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, there's good sides and bad sides to both, you know. <laughs> um, Chris also brought up the song Truck Yeah, which is always amusing to me because that song is kind of, I don't know if polarizing is the right word, but. It's a song that I think certain people love and certain people hate um, and kind of maybe epitomizes like a country music hit that like doesn't get like the artistic integrity awards necessarily. Yeah. And Chris and Low Cash wrote that song with um, Chris and they kind of will admit that. uh, It's a good song. I love hearing it on the radio when Tim McGraw plays it live. Like it lights up the stage. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like it was like a novelty song that like took off, but you know, some of the best songs are novelty, you know, like honky tonk badonka donk, you know, stuff like that. I th- I think it's great, you know, and and it, it makes sense, you know, coming from Chris, uh, especially the buy me a boat guy, you know, like it seems that you know, and fix a drink and good vibes, like he really understands how to make like a, a radio hit. I think he does, and I think that's what he's interested in doing. Like, he's not necessarily looking for, like, a best Grammy award for album of the year. Like, he wants single of the year, song of the year. Like, he wants hits. Right. Which is, you know, that's your intention. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, a lot of great hits. There. Who who else do you think is one of these survivalists in country music that you think kind of go out there and just sort of survive on their own? <laughs> Oh man, I would have to think about that. Uh, um, I don't know that there's that. Brantley Gilbert probably could. Uh, I think if he had to, Blake Shelton probably could, but he wouldn't be happy about it. Uh, probably Justin Moore, I could see. I don't know. There's not very many that are, you know, because I've asked that question post Chris Jansen since that interview, and nobody answers yeah. quite like Chris Jansen did. I feel like Hank could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe like Hank a few years ago. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like now Hank would want his amenities, you know, (laughs) but I don't know. Are you saying Hank's getting soft, Evan? Is that your takeaway from your (laughs) Hank Jr. interview? Is that he's he's getting a little soft? It happens. The older you get, the softer you get. It just (laughs) happens. You know, you can't be 90 without a place to go to the bathroom, you know? It's a real thing in country music that certain artists have like survivalist packs like buried 
across Middle Tennessee. Like if there's things go down and there's a zombie apocalypse, they have like rations and what they need to survive sort of like four feet under the ground in various spots around Middle Tennessee. You know, you know what? I could I could see Jason Aldean doing something like that, but not himself paying somebody to 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 do. I could see him being fully survivalist mode like food underground for ages he's got like a pop-up mansion <laughs> just yeah. ready to go he's just ready to go it's inflatable and it's like ten thousand square feet definitely there's all kinds of country artists out there that's for sure chris is one of our, our favorites is there one question that you you would like to ask him next time or something you didn't get a chance to ask him yes this time Yes, one time I interviewed Chris, and when we were done, I swear he was talking about how he has like a Lamborghini or something. But then I tried to ask him about it after that. Like I was like, last time I interviewed him, not this time, but the time before, I was like, what's your favorite car that you have? And he said like an old beat up truck, you know, that he just bought and put a ranch hand on. But I want to know. Because I think, I swear he told me he was hanging out with one of the guys from the Migos back in the day at an In-N-Out burger driving a Lamborghini. So I need, I want to get to the bottom of that. I remember the story about him t- hanging out with those guys. I don't remember Chris driving the Lamborghini. But if he does, that kind of, like, I think Chris likes nice things, too. So that wouldn't totally surprise me. Like, he seems like a car guy that would like a, a really awesome car. Uh, but I I don't recall. Okay, next time he comes in, which won't be long because Chris, he's pretty generous with his time. He comes by fairly often. Yeah, and then if he does have a Lamborghini, I want to know if he's able to drive it with cowboy boots on. So that, that's the level of questionnaire questioning that I have coming up. I want to ride with him. Let's go. Let's put him in the car. <laughs> Open it up on 840. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Taste of Country Nights with Evan Paul On Demand. Give us a like, a subscribe, a rating, a ranking, a message, everything. It all helps us out. This podcast is part of the Town Square Media Podcast Network.